Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. My name is Matt Odegaard and today we are talking about Advent. Today we're going to talk about the first week of Advent, which for many of you in church just happened this last Sunday, but we're going to talk about it today and I'm going to try to do all four weeks of Advent plus Christmas Eve ahead of time just so that you have an understanding of what this is all about. Because this is Church Public. We talk about church, we talk about public, we talk about the public square and why we do what we do and what that means for us. So today we're focusing more on church and we're going to look at Advent week one. Advent is a traditional Christian practice that reminds us how much we need Jesus Christ. The word Advent means to visit or to arrive. We remember the arrival of Jesus to the world. Many of your kids have just started, maybe today, those little calendars with all of the little chocolates in them marching, marking each day until Christmas. The practice of Advent is a weekly reminder marking the arrival of Jesus into this world and looking forward to the day that he comes again. So welcome to Church Public. Let's go ahead and get started. Well, again, welcome back. We're going to try to do all four weeks plus Christmas Eve uh, coming up. And this is the first week of Advent, so look forward to those other four weeks. If you haven't already, like and subscribe, hit the notifications so that you know when the next Advent sessions come up. So this week we're looking at the first week of Advent, Advent week one, and we're talking about waiting. We're talking about hope, but we're talking about the other side of hope that is just waiting. It seems like we're always waiting for something. What are you waiting for? A new job, a new car, a new relationship? This culture is constantly waiting, too. They're waiting for something. It's hard to say what, whether it's safety or security or peace or freedom. We just, we're constantly waiting for something, something to fill that part of us that seems like is difficult to fill. Peter, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus that we actually hear a lot about, later, he knew we would be impatient. He actually wrote a lot about our own impatience, maybe his impatience. He seems like, of all the disciples and what we hear about them, he may have been one of the most impatient disciples. So it's interesting that he gives a really long explanation about being patient in 2 Peter 3. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes. But before we get there, I want to talk about a couple other things. There's this famous play by Samuel Beckett called Waiting for Godot, or in other words, Waiting for God. This play is a statement on the human condition. As Beckett sees it, humanity, all of us, we're waiting for Godot, or we're waiting for God. And we're waiting for God to come and save us. This is kind of a statement on Christmas. But in this play, as it shows, God never appears. God never shows up. All of these people, all of their waiting is in vain. Everybody told them God is coming and wait and be patient. But God never had, and he never will, according to the play. The characters of the play are told to wait for Godot. He might come tomorrow or the next day or, you know, and they continue to wait and wait and wait. And again, God never shows up. The only prop in this play is a kind of a dead tree. The tree symbolizing there's no God. There's no savior. There's no meaning. So you have to, according to the author and according to the play as it unfolds, you have to create your own meaning, meaning without a belief in God. Um, But unfortunately, as we see even throughout this play, the author believes that many people 
wait their whole lives for God and wait for God to show up, but their waiting is in vain and God's not going to show up. That's what this author of this play is trying to show, that we've been somehow deceived, so we should just stop expecting God to show up. That way, we won't be disappointed when he doesn't show up and he doesn't make it. But unfortunately, even in this play, as you see it go on, without God, without meaning in their lives, people become depressed. They become apathetic. They begin to not care. Some people lose faith. Some people get bitter and angry and hostile towards God and towards each other. They exhibit signs of depression and all these other things, and it really ends up being terrible. So now we go back to the Apostle Peter, because what I see in that play is very similar to what I see in real life right now. Maybe you know someone that's dealing with life like this, just becoming bitter and desensitized and just over this whole mess that we call life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're dealing with some of these things. Peter understood, and again, I think he, of all of the disciples, was probably the most impatient disciple. I mean, after all, he was ready to fight so bad. He, you know, at one point pulled out his sword and chopped a guy's ear off. And Jesus was like, ugh, Peter, that's not it. Like, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> and, and Jesus kept having to tell Peter, like, simmer down now. Like, calm down. We're not, we're not ready to do all these things yet. And again, it's interesting to me that Peter, apparently somewhere as he matured and got older and, and, and followed after Jesus more and more, even after Jesus had ascended and gone into heaven, Peter finally realizes that following God is about being patient and it is about the long haul. So in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writes to the people of God, or really writes to us, he says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffer is not a word we use very often, but I mean, people are just going to laugh at you, right? They're going to say, this is is what uh, Peter says, they'll scoff, they'll follow their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming that he, God, Jesus, promised? Ever since, this is still reading in, in 2 Peter 3. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, but... They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens were made and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. This is still Peter talking. With the Lord, the day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some of us understand slowness. No, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance through Jesus. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by a fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare, since... Everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy, godly lives as you look forward to the day and the speed of its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Then Peter goes on in this way. But the point is this. It seems like this is taking forever. It seems like that to us 2,000 years after Jesus. 
you can't even imagine just a few years after Jesus, people were waiting and saying, God, when are you going to fulfill this promise that you had? We're still thinking the same thing. But the reality is we also still live in the kingdom of God right now. It's not completed, and Jesus is going to come and complete that. That's more in the Revelation, in the book of Revelation. We're not going to talk about much of that today. But waiting on God is hard. It was hard from the very beginning when Jesus came on the scene. We see that in Peter's own life when he was with Jesus, and we see that referenced in Peter's letter here just after Jesus had lived and died and rose again. So we have to figure out, how are we going to live now? And there will always be those, like we heard about in this play, that think it's ridiculous to wait for God. But they forget that God has already come. He came in the garden. He came to Noah, to Mount Sinai and Moses. He came in the person of Jesus, and he will come again because he said he will. And God does come to you in your life if you open your heart and you receive him and you can see what he's doing in and around your life. Unfortunately, there are many people right now, people who give in to this fear, especially now, this fear that is so prevalent everywhere, it seems, and give in to doubt and give in to despair, and they're tired of waiting for God. They, some people like this Christmas holiday But believing in actual Jesus or believing in a savior that's coming to save them, it's something like a four-year-old sitting on Santa's lap telling Santa all of the things that they want from him. It may be nice, it may sound nice or feel nice, but it doesn't mean anything to some people. And some people get even more cynical. They go through Christmas without even experiencing anything like the risen savior, Jesus Christ, who came as a baby. One of my favorite hymns or carols of this season is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I won't read the whole thing for you. I'll just read a couple of lines. This is from the first stanza. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set your people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. This is a really important song and it's a really important part to understand that People have dealt with this for the whole time. Ever since Jesus came onto the scene and left the scene and left us anxiously waiting him coming back, we've always been saying, is it time, God? Is it time, Jesus? And we don't know. And Jesus himself says, you're not going to know. I keep having people ask me about end times and prophecy and timelines and all these other things. And right now, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into it because Jesus himself says, you're not supposed to know. And and it doesn't matter. And here's why it doesn't matter. You go back to Peter. He says, regardless of the timeline, are you supposed to live like the world and be stuck in fear and despair, just like the people, the characters in this play? Or regardless of the timeline, are you supposed to live in patience and hope of what Jesus has done and sharing and showing that hope to the world, the world that is so sad and depressed and hopeless. Of course, the second answer is true. Of course, that's how we're supposed to live. It doesn't matter what the timeline is. It doesn't. All that matters is we are following after Jesus with our heart and soul and mind and strength, just like Jesus says the first and most important commandment is. But this is the hard part, being patient. Being patient is really hard. We are born and bred these days. Do not be patient. Everything, 
Everything we have, everything we do is about instant gratification. But patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It may seem difficult in the midst of whatever you are waiting for, but remember, patience that you need does not come from your own strength. I think we get we, we fall into this trap of thinking, I'll just believe more, or be stronger, or whatever. But you have to realize the patience actually comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So we need to pray for patience from the power of the Spirit, not from our own power. And this race we're in, as Paul talks about it, as many others talk about it in the Gospels and the Bible, it's not a short race. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it doesn't even matter how you begin the race. It only matters how you end the race. I'm going to read a King James on this one. Though I don't often go to King James, I just like the translation better for this verse, Isaiah 40, 31. If you wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. They shall mount up as wings, as eagles. You'll run, you'll not be weary, you'll walk and not faint. I changed a couple of the pronouns there because I think it helps you to understand that God is writing this for us to understand, for you to understand that he is there to help you in this. You're not alone. You don't have to pretend like you're alone, but this world tells you you're alone. And you need to rise above that, just like the eagles we just read about. I'll leave you with one more verse. This is John the Baptist signifying the first week of Advent, signifying the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Matthew 3, verse 1 and following. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And John, he looked weird. He was wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. And But, verse 5, people went out to him from all of Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, and they confessed their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And he says this in verse 11. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. Again, that spirit is the place where we draw our power. The power to be patient. The power to even hope. And we have to remember that Jesus Christ is the hope of this world. The prophet foretold his coming. The herald announced his arrival. And we celebrate Jesus' birth. And now we wait for him to come again. But in the meantime, we don't just sit around waiting in despair, in depression, in sadness. We wait in the hope, in the faith, in the knowledge that he is working on us even now. You can prepare for this season by reading, uh, you know, choose to read through a gospel. Choose the gospel of Luke or, or Matthew or Mark. It doesn't matter. They're all so good. But do something this Christmas season so that you can get close to God, reconnect with God, understand that Jesus has come to save you. And he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to be alone. Thanks for being part of this today. Thanks for supporting Church Public. I really appreciate it. For more episodes on culture and other biblical values, you can go to churchpublic.com. As always, God bless, especially in this season, and keep the faith.